What is going on, Emerge? Can I make some noise tonight? Yeah. I'm going to take a nap on this couch because that worship was pretty awesome. In fact, I don't think I need to say anything besides Jesus, amen, after that. That was pretty awesome. Isn't God good, guys? Yeah. Isn't his presence awesome? Yeah, that's what's up. That's awesome. All right, so story for you guys. So we're kicking off this new series, Stranger Things. I got a question for you guys, though, real quick, okay? How many of you guys actually like scary movies? Be honest. You guys like creepy people? All right, how many of you guys are like me and you don't fancy scary movies, okay? Be honest. Let's own it. Okay, I don't, I don't fancy that. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why in just a, a minute. I don't like them, and I'll explain it, and I have a great explanation for it. Uh, but, okay, another show of hands. Last question, okay, is how many of you guys have seen this uh, Netflix series, Stranger Things? Raise your hand. Yeah, you guys like it? That's awesome. I'm, okay, that's pretty cool. All right, so I'll tell you the truth, okay? Being real, all right? I watched the first episode, and I got totally hooked. I even might have gotten caught by uh, doing a little Netflix binging at 2 o'clock in the morning by Miss Abby by watching all the episodes. I'm just saying, I, and that's the first time for me, I didn't know what Netflix binging was until I watched this series. I got really, really hooked. So for those of you that have not seen it, I want to give you kind of just a little background uh, ab about this and the story so you kind of understand what we're doing. But first, can we give it up for uh, Pastor Trent and Pastor Cole and Pastor Stephen for going all out with this? It was awesome. I love you guys. You guys are an awesome team. You really are. Um, okay, so Stranger Things. Here's a little background story for them. So uh, it starts in Hawkins, Indiana in the 80s, which I, I don't know if you guys are into music at all. That's, uh, I love 80s music, and I love the 80s, okay? Abby and I and our grandparents and everybody at our wedding, we rocked out with 80s, and it was absolutely amazing. And Jesus was still there because you can just do that sometimes because 80s music is amazing. Um, so anyway, so it happens in 1980 uh, in Hawkins, Indiana, which is the middle of nowhere. And there's this secret government facility that's part of the U.S. Department of Energy. And some things get out of control, and then some strange things start to happen. So the very first strange thing that happens in the very first episode is uh, the main character, Will Byers, okay, goes, somebody want to give it up for Will? You guys like Will? Okay. It's Will, Will Byers fan club over there. Uh, so uh, Will Byers is the main character, and he goes missing the very first episode. And the entire series for season one is all about Will's family and, and Will's friends trying to find him. So Will goes to the other side, uh, which Pastor Trent and Pastor Cole will talk a little bit more about that uh, a little bit, but how uh, uh, Will's mom communicates to him is actually by uh, uh, spelling out the alphabet and putting lights, because uh, Will was there, she just couldn't see him, and she would, he would communicate to his mom by lighting up the letters. So you guys with me? So that's why we designed this living room for Will Byer. So, so the very first episode uh, of Will disappearing, I got to tell you, this is why I don't like scary movies, okay? I have ADHD so bad. I'm really, really, really bad. And let me tell you why, okay? When I watch a movie, I'm all in. 
The peripheral and anything that comes before me and out is gone. The ear's gone. I crank the sound so stinking loud because I have to be in the movie. So essentially, when I first started out, I was Will Byers. I was right. I was right there. Okay. And so we all know about scary movies, right? So what happens? Okay. They get very suspenseful and they start to build and they start to build and I start to pace more inside my head, just like I'm doing right here. And I get, start to get a little bit crazy and then it's building and then the sound comes in and it gets louder and louder and louder and then boom, something scary happens. I'm in the movie. I'm Will Byers. What do you think I'm doing inside Jeremy Shirley's skin? I'm freaking out. That's why I don't like scary movies. So I'll show you this clip, okay, to give you an example of what I'm talking about. So Will Byers is with his friends, and they're playing uh, a board game, and they, get to, they decide that it's over, so they all go home, and they're riding home. Check this, check this clip out real quick. All right, so you guys with me? That is why I don't like scary movies. You guys are awake and you guys are alive. You're like, I did not expect this coming to church tonight. Everybody's going to get saved. This is awesome. You guys are all afraid. Man, you guys are here. All right, okay, so quite us again. I did not know you guys would respond that way. I'm a little taken back. All right, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and pray, all right? So, Father, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you so much for joy. I thank you so much that joy can come in. Lord, I thank you for your joy. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit comes, that your presence comes here like a dove. God, I just pray tonight that our lives will be changed, that we will understand more of who you are tonight, God, and that we will decide to give everything over to you. Father, we love you. We worship you, God. I surrender myself right now. I can't do this alone. Holy Spirit, come. God, be amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now that some of you guys are all afraid, okay, I'll tell you guys something a little super serious here. I'll transition to this. Did you know the number one most repeated commandment in God's word is do not fear? In fact, he says it all throughout scripture over 110 times. The word says that, do not fear. So here's my question that I have for you tonight before we, we go any further is, what fear 
is holding you back from your purpose. So you think every single one of us struggle with this some way, somehow. So that's the big idea tonight, and that's what I want you to take away. What fear is holding you back from your purpose? And when I think about somebody in Scripture and in the Bible that was completely fearful and ran away from his purpose, I think of Jonah. So we all know this, some of it, well, we might not know the story, but some of us have probably heard of it. Jonah and the, Jonah and the whale, Jonah the giant fish that we have a theologian here, giant fish. Jonah and the whale. Uh, so I want to go deeper into this. I don't want to get surface level with this story tonight. I want to go really into the details tonight. Because I think Jonah has something to tell us about fear and our purpose. So if you have your Bibles or on your phone, or if not, you can look up on the screen. Open to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. I want to read this to you. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amati. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Pause. Let's kind of understand what this is and who Nineveh is. Okay, so if you pull up here, I got a picture on a map. Okay, so Jonah is in the land of Israel, which is Joppa, you see that, and he is told to go to Nineveh. Okay, which Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which is the dominant force ruler of that day. And up to this point, the Assyrians have conquered Israel a couple times. They've gone in, they've taken over some cities, and then God wouldn't allow them in because Israel would repent, and then they'd get taken out. All right, but when they came in, they did stuff really, really, really nasty. In fact, the Assyrians were known for how they treated the people that they conquered. So I'm going to give you a couple gruesome details, okay, about that and what that means, okay? So the very first thing that the Assyrians would do when they conquered, you can see the uh, picture right here. This was actually uh, excavated in current-day Nineveh. It's a stone tablet, and it's a bunch of Assyrians impaling Israelites. All right, that's just kindergarten level. We're going to go up a couple of notches here, okay? All right, another thing that they would do, uh, and again, understand this is creepy and I'm just being real because I, I don't want to lie. I want to tell you guys the truth, okay, is they would go to somebody uh, in their village that they conquered and when they wanted to kill them, they would cut off their left arm and they cut off their left leg and their right leg. And then they'd stand them up and everybody would shake their hand as the person passed from death, excuse me, from life to death. It's kind of jacked up. All right, here's another one that's even worse. They would go into a village. They'd conquer you. They'd go into your house, and they'd cut everybody's heads off. They'd put them on poles, and they'd leave one person alive in your family. And then they'd make you go out into an Assyrian parade and hold your pole and wave your family. That's messed up. This is like modern-day ISIS. So, okay, a little funny joke, okay? Out of all of us here, who would go to Nineveh? Nineveh. <laughs> I had to lighten the mood. You guys were looking at me really funny. So, on that note, who, what do you think Jonah did? Jonah, there's no way that Jonah went there. There's no way that we would go there. 
He's gone. Let's read what he does. Verse 3. But Jonah got up and went into the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Okay, so pull up on the map again. Okay, so Jonah goes to Joppa, and he's like, I am way, way, way out of here. I am gone. I'm not doing this at all. I'm going to go to the opposite side of the world. Oh, and mind you, by the way, America wasn't discovered then. So to Jonah at this time, this was like him going to the far edge of the world. He wanted nothing to do with this. Absolutely nothing. Let's continue reading. Oh, and then one other note that I want to add here real quick. So it says in Hebrew that he bought a ticket. What that actually means is he chartered the boat. So he went down and he's like, hey guys, let's go to Tarshish. And they're like, no, we got to wait for other people to fill up. And he's like, no, I'm chartering the whole boat. We've got to leave right now. Verse four. But the Lord hurled a powered wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. I don't get that. Okay, has anybody ever been out in the ocean before? Raise a hand so you've been out in the ocean. Anybody ever been deep sea fishing? Okay, and it gets a little bit rough out there on the ocean. You know what I'm talking about? What do people tendly do when you're out on the ocean and it gets really, really rough? Yeah, you get a little sick. Funny, true story, okay? So Abby and I went deep sea fishing with my cousin Alex. Uh, he, he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, he was young at this time, and uh, we we're on a fishing boat, and I'm sitting on his left. He's in the middle. Abby's on his right, and he can't get out anywhere. He's locked in, so essentially we have an Alex sandwich going on. And um, as, as he's sitting there, the boat's getting rougher and rougher, and then he's starting to feel it. And then finally it builds up. He looks to his left and realizes that I'm in the way, so he can't go. So then he looks to his right and sees that Abby's in the way, and I can't go, so he just decides to go for it, just all over the place. All right, that wasn't even in a storm that that happened. So how is Jonah sleeping? I don't understand. I'll tell you, and it's actually the very first point tonight. When fear causes us to run from our purpose, we check out emotionally. You see, Jonah was filled with fear, and he didn't want anything to do with what God told him, so he completely shuts off his emotion, and he runs. Guys, I think we can relate to that tonight when fear takes control of our lives. We completely shut down. I mean, imagine this, okay? Let's just say that you go home, and things are a little bit rough at home. Mom and dad are fighting. Maybe they decide to split up. What do you do? You shut off emotionally. Or better yet, you get dumped. And your friends are like, hey, let's go hang out. Hey, let's play, let's play some games. Let's play some Fortnite. What do you want to do? Nothing. You checked out emotionally because fear got in. You guys, when fear takes a hold of us, it causes us to run from our purpose and we check out emotionally. Let's continue reading. So by this time, um, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him and said, how can you sleep at a time like this? Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. 
Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Okay, now this is getting creepy. You guys understand casting lots? It's basically like drawing straws and Jonah's getting the short straw. I think what's interesting here actually is Jonah, I think God right there is trying to get Jonah's attention. But Jonah doesn't realize it because he's checked out emotionally. And I think that's exactly something that we do. God is pressing into us. God is trying to remind you of his goodness and who he is, that he loves you during this time and do not give in to fear. But because we've turned off our emotions, we don't even let him in. So they ask him, why has this awful storm come down on us? Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? So Jonah's getting grilled at this point. So he answered, he goes, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the land and sea. I can just imagine then lightning going off in the boat right after he says that. It's kind of like, duh, Jonah. So lightning goes off in the boat, and then everybody there just goes absolutely crazy. And so they start to ask him, hey, what are, so then what are we supposed to do? And he said, throw me overboard, and the storm will stop. Jonah's starting to own it. So as they continue, finally the sailors just desperately decide to throw him in. So it says right here in verse 15, then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging storm and stopped at once. The sailors were so awestruck by the Lord's great power that they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Okay, so Jonah uh, causes all this. He's running from God. He charters the boat. They see this. He draws the bat straw. He starts to admit that his fault. The storm's absolutely going crazy. He says, throw me overboard. It's my fault. They finally listen to him. They throw him overboard, and this crazy storm that's got everybody going crazy just stops instantly. And then everybody on the boat gets saved. I thought that was kind of amusing. All right, so last verse. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. See, great fish, we have a theologian here. Great fish, not a whale, great fish. Yep, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And here's my second point that I have for you tonight. When fear causes us to run from our purpose, we get into more fearful situations. So Jonah's in the storm. He gets thrown overboard in the Mediterranean Sea. Let's talk a little bit about the Mediterranean Sea. It's the deepest sea in the world overall. Okay, 17,000 feet. By the way, for the record, a little fun fact. Okay, that's one and a half times the depth of the Titanic. This place is deep, all right? And I don't know about you. I don't know if you guys have been snorkeling at all. I don't know if you guys go in the ocean at all. I don't know if you've been to like Grand Cayman and you've seen that wall that drops down 10,000 feet. Okay, that deep ocean, that's freaky. It's scary. It's irritable. 17,000 feet. That's a fear that I have in mind of just, you know, just throwing off and then just sinking down to the bottom where there's no light. I'm being real with you guys about my fears tonight. Okay, let's, too, let's be honest, okay? We, the, they too, use the term whale, I think, to numb it down. I don't think it's a whale, okay? It's a great fish. It's not even a great white shark. It's bloody megalodon, okay? That's who it is. It's the meg. 
The maid comes and swallows Jonah. He got in a more fearful situation. Me at this point, just being real for me, okay, I'm not, I, I would rather take Assyria than go, than go back to this place, to go to here. You didn't see the, you guys are out of control. You guys are funny. That's interesting. That's what happens to us. We get in more, we get ourselves more into fear, fearful situations that we have. The story's not over for Jonah. Hey, let's pull up this real quick. Let's pull up this commentary. I want to read this to you guys. Okay. Given this historical context, the prophet Jonah was in a difficult situation. Yahweh, who is God, God unchanging, asked him to go to his cultural enemies and proclaim judgment in the capital city. He was asked to risk his life preaching and had no guarantees that he would not, like any other unwelcome prophets, be killed. Yet, if he succeeded in his mission and they repented, he would not be welcomed at home. No one, including God's chosen prophet, desired the possibility and threat of enduring, of enduring that existence. He was caught between a rock and a hard place. And in this situation, many would, like Jonah, act on the third possibility, that of flight. You guys understanding now the real fear for Jonah? The real fear for him is not that there's Megalodon chasing him in the Mediterranean Sea that's really deep. The real fear for him is not that the Assyrian Empire can do really bad things for him. The real fear for him is that he felt like God was setting him up to where he had no way out. And he became fearful because he had no way out. And I got to be real with you guys, okay? That's fearful to me. That's fearful. The story's not over for Jonah, though. He sits in three days in the stomach of Meg. And then he eventually gets, he eventually gets split out and he gets to his senses and he repents and he goes to Nineveh. And then God wrecks the whole place and everybody repents. And Jonah fulfilled his purpose. You see, I think there's, there's three main areas of fear that we deal with. But again, I want to ask you again, what fear is holding you back from your purpose? See, there's three things that I think that we fear the most. The very first thing is I think we fear one, a certain object. So for example, like maybe like for me, when I was a kid, I hated spiders. I absolutely hated them. Didn't do any with them. Couldn't stand them. Now it's snakes. I'm over spiders. Now I'm dealing with snakes. Pray for me. Okay. And then the second thing I think that we fear with the most is we actually fear a situation. Like maybe a situation of not having money or maybe being kicked out or maybe losing somebody. I think also we fear the lack of control, which is what Jonah was dealing with. It's interesting that God said 110 times, fear not. Do not fear. So um, Romans, I'm going to turn this first real quick. Hold on. Did not plan this right. Paul writes this 8, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 38. He says, I am convinced 
that nothing could ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So why are we so fearful? Because we're choosing not to believe what Paul just said. You see, when we choose to take control of our life and be fearful, or when we choose to be fearful about an object or a situation, what that does is that's basically saying, God, I reject what you're saying about me. I reject everything that you've made me to be. I reject how much you love me. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to be fearful. And what that does is that opens something up in our hearts, that opens something up in our lives to where a spirit, an actual spirit of fear comes in because we let them in because we've rejected the goodness of what God is trying to tell us to do. So, true story. Uh, I told you guys this a couple weeks ago. Abby and I got to go uh, travel a little bit. We're really excited about it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, God really gave us the courage to really speak to some friends in our lives over in Europe about what God's done in our lives and how he's changed us. And, and uh, God also came through uh, with several uh, situations just with encounters that we were doing with just meeting people. Uh, and uh, we went to Paris. There's a picture that I have for us that we have there. You can ooh and awe over it. Okay, it was amazing. The best time of my life with my wife. It was, it was great. It was great. Uh, but I, if I can give you one advice on Paris, don't go. <laughs> it's not worth it. Don't go. All right, so the last day of Paris comes, and I've got everything planned out. If you guys know something about me, I am, I'm a planner, okay? I've got everything uh, in an Excel sheet. You can ask the guys. Uh, I've got it all perfectly planned. The last day, we got time blocks. We're ready to go because it's going to be a busy day. I don't want any stress at all. So I just want us to execute this, get on the plane, bid this place adieu, and go home, okay? So we get on. We go to the hotel. And of course, nothing ever works in life how you feel. So we get downstairs, and, and they're like... Um, uh, Jeremy, uh, your, your credit card, you haven't paid for the hotel at all. And so I told them very politely, yes, I have. Here's the receipt. Look, here's even my bank statement. And they're just like, well, you don't understand. We, we're not seeing payment on our side. So through over an hour of putting us back and waiting on hold and having dropped calls because I had to use the Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi calling over there in Europe, uh, uh, finally they agreed and they realized that it was their mistake. So we get on going. And guys, if you know me, I am freaking out at this point. I'm behind. I'm not hitting the plan perfectly and executing it. So we get on the bus. We get to the airport. And of course, things just kind of spiral even more out of control. Uh, we get checked in. That takes way too long. We go through customs. That takes absolutely way too long. And then, of course, we're knuckleheads because we were having so much fun. We forgot to buy souvenirs for everybody. So we have to go then go duty-free shopping, and it's just going, and it's going, and it's going. And then finally, we get to security, and we get through security, and I am just stressed out of my mind at this point. And uh, then the, over the pager system, they say paging Pastor, or excuse me, paging uh, Abigail Sherrill, because they can't say her last name right. And then I start freaking out even more. I go over to them. They're like, yes, uh, your wife needs some additional screening. And I'm like, you don't understand. We just got out of the additional screening 15 seconds ago. What possibly could have happened? 
I'm like, well, sir, we're so sorry. So we get separated, and I've got all the stuff I do. I have to get food. It's a 10-hour flight. We got to get bottles of water. Okay, so I get in line to get food, and there's three people working. And another thing about, you know, French people a little bit, and this isn't to criticize them. I'm just telling you, they take their time, they, and they don't realize that I'm in a hurry, which I had a problem with. So there's three people in line working the, the restaurant area, and then I'm about to get up, and by the way, they're, they've already started boarding, okay? And then uh, it's my turn, and then two out of the three people that are working the restaurant decide it's time for them to go on break. And I am just about to go berserk. And then uh, finally I get my food. They're paging, final boarding call, and I am just absolutely inside. I'm like a mess because it's not the way I plan and I'm completely ridden and just consumed with fear and thinking of all the things in my head that could have gone wrong. So I sit down on a plane and I tell Abby, I say to her, I go, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be fearful because it's just messing me up. Can you guys relate to that? I think every single one of us struggle with fear some way somehow jeremiah 20, 29 11 says for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you not to harm you to give you hope and to give you a future so then 20 minutes later after sitting down on the plane the door finally closes and then we leave i had absolutely no reason to feel that way God had my back the entire time. So what do we do with this? So yes, Pastor Jeremy, we relate to you. We get fearful. We want to control. There's objects that freak us out. There's scary movies that scare us. We have fear in our lives. So what is it that we do about it? I want to give you this verse that I read in Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. It's a little wordy, so bear with me. Verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I know that you are standing together with one spirit and purpose. What Paul is saying, that you're standing together in unity for one mission alone, and that's for God, and that's for Christ. Verse 28. Don't be intimidated. Don't be fearful in any way by your enemy, the devil, the spirit of fear. Do not be intimidated because check this out. For this will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed. But a sign for you that you are going to be saved. So let me clarify that for you. When we stand together in unity against fear, united under one Holy Spirit, knowing the truth of God. And we say no to fear. The enemy is then reminded that he's doomed. And we're reminded that we're saved. And when we're reminded that we're saved, we're reminded that there's no reason to be fearful anymore. Everybody just bow your heads real quick and close your eyes. I want you guys to think about something that you're fearful of. Maybe it's many things. Maybe it's just one thing. 
And just by a show of hands, I just want you to tell me right now, and no, nobody's looking. Let's just be honest with each other because we're going to stand in unity in this. Raise your hand on a count of three if you are struggling with fear or you have struggled with fear. You got it. On a count of three, everybody raise your hand. One, two, three. I struggle with fear, Pastor Jeremy. It's real in my life. Keep your hand up right now. All right, you can put your hand down. Congratulations. It's every single person in this room. We all struggle with it. But in God's story and in his word, he is trying to tell us that you don't need to fear. Fear not. For the Lord your God is with you. So we're going to do something different. I want you guys to come on forward and stand up for worship. Come on, everybody stand up. Come forward. We're going to renounce this fear thing together, every single one of us. Come on. Let's keep this spirit where it's at right now. Let's also get closer too. Let's be in unity. Let's get closer about this fear thing. I want you to think about that thing that you are fearful of or that you've been fearful of before in your past. I want you to, everybody just close your eyes right now. I want you to feel, I want you to think about that for a second. I'm going to pray for you real quick, and then we're going, to, we're going to say something or announce something right now. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I ask that your presence comes here right now. I ask that you reveal to us the truth about your fear right now in Jesus' name, about the fear of any lie that we've received about our lives or a fear that we've received about something that you've created for the goodness because you've given us authority over all creation things, God. So we ask that you remind us right now in Jesus' name, God, I pray right now that we end this fear thing. We rebuke this fear thing in Jesus' name and that we grow stronger together in unity so the enemy is reminded that he's doomed and he can't claim anybody here tonight, God. We are yours. All right. I want you guys to do this. Let's pull this, let's pull this prayer up real quick. I want you guys to say this with me. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Thank you, Father, that your word says that perfect love drives out all fear. Lord, I choose to put my trust in you and ask you to help me in fearful situations. I now stand against the strongholds of fear that the enemy has established in my life. Now pause and think about what fear that you have struggled with. All right, let's finish that. One, two, three. I command everything of the enemy associated with these fears to leave me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, let's give the Lord a hand right now. We are done with fear. We are done. It is gone. It's done. And we're going to sing a song about it right now. Let's build it up, guys. I want you guys to worship God a different person. I want you to worship God a person that doesn't have any fear anymore. Let's make this real. Let's make this time real. If you want to close your eyes and just sing and just feel the presence of God on you, do it. If you want to lift your hands up and worship, let's do it right now because we're no longer slaves of fear. Perfect love cast out fear and that just happened. Let's worship.